Thank y'all. I'm really bad with attention, so I don't really know what to do. So I'll just move on. No. Uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be here this morning. Um, thank you, Pastor Bubba and Miss Tracy, for um, for allowing me the privilege to speak this morning. And as you can tell, I'm not jo- Pastor Josh. Um, I am his other half, and the Bible says we're one, so I guess it's kind of like him being here. So um, if you hadn't heard, Pastor Zach had sinus surgery, so he's recovering from that. And so um, that's where Pastor Josh is. He is um, in Crowley this morning. So here am I, and let me just get this out of the way by saying I hate this thing, and I feel like I should be singing. Um, I'm not endorsing her or anything, but Britney Spears, like, oops, I did it again with this thing. So um, let's get that out of the way. I feel awkward with it. But anyway, um, we're... Um, in our dating series, or marriage, uh, uh, let me say this. I told Josh, uh, when he asked me if I would speak, I said I would. I said, the only thing I will not talk about is sex. So I'm not having that conversation today. You can have that next week with him. It will not be me. So we're not going there today, just to let you know. But um, we're talking about dating done right today. And before you kind of tune me out, if you're not in that season or if you're married, there's something for everyone because there's some marriage things in here. Or if you're single and not looking to get married again, what if there's a person in your life that you could give wisdom to? You all know someone who's walking through these things, dating that you could help um, and give them wisdom. And today we're going to talk about dating done right. Last week, Pastor Josh talked about how God designed attraction, sex, and relationships to work for his good and for our glory. But today we're talking about dating, dating done right. And how many of you know in our day and age, dating can be goofy, it can be awkward, it can be weird. And so um, our culture also puts a lot of emphasis on finding the right one. You know, you got to find the right one, find the soulmate. But scripture actually emphasizes being the right one. I believe a great marriage isn't so much about finding the right person, but about becoming the right person. And if you become godly, you'll attract godly. And you'll also know what godly looks like. It's not this some myth, like, I need a godly wife. Like, you'll actually know what that is because you've been searching scripture and you've, God has been doing a work in you. And I would compare a bad relationship a lot like a bad dentist visit. It's expensive, it's very painful, and it stays with you for a long time. And so uh, I can attest to that a few months ago. I had to have a root canal. And even though it was a few months ago, the pain is very, very, uh, you know, hasn't gone away, the thought of that pain. And that's what happens in a bad relationship. It sticks with you, it stays with you. And society tells us what we should do, and that advice is hooking up. You know, I've all heard that word, you know, let's just hook up, whether that's casual or a little bit longer. But what hooking up is, it's solely based on attraction. When that attraction fades or something else new comes along, as soon as it fades, it just ends in pain and in heartache. And I'm sure some of you could attest to that in your own life. And if you're single or dating someone today, I want to save you from a lot of unnecessary pain and teach you what the Bible has to say about dating, because it's not a mystery. He's given us what um, advice on dating. It's not just left to our own um, to figure it out. And the only thing worse than being single and wishing you were married is being married and wishing you were single. So uh, learn some things now before it's too late. And... um, before you get into a bad relationship. And at any point, just to preface this, like if you're in a, a relationship and it's not going well, like get out. Like don't just stay because it's comfort or it's uh, meeting some needs. Like you're marrying a person forever. That's a long time. So if, it might be hard to get out, but get out before it gets too tough. Um, 
before you, not too tough before you get married. Uh, I want us to look in Song of Solomon and get an inside look at dating done right. Now, with dating, uh, obviously the first thing you need is attraction. You've got to be attracted to the other person. It's not going to go very well if you don't even think, you know, they're attractive at all or pleasing to your eye. And don't be thrown off by Song of Solomon as we read. Like, the, the language is very different than how we speak today. But, um, so you'll see. So we'll read in Song of Solomon 1, verses 7. Tell me, you whom my soul loves, where you pasture your flock, where you make it lie down at noon. For why should I be like one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? So if you kind of haven't caught what's going on, I know Joshua talked about this last week. She's asking, okay, tell me whom my soul loves. She's already liking him. Where are you going to be? Because I want to be there too. She wants to find where he is and be there. Um, she wanted to be where he was and hang out in a more meaningful way, not just casual, not just running into. She wants to find out where he is. She wants to be with him. She wants to find him and spend some time with him. And this could be in ways of um, you knowing where someone's going to be and you, oh, I didn't know you were going to be here and start finding where they are and hanging out with them. Uh, you might sit behind them at church. You might uh, and let's just be honest, you might be Facebook stalking them just a little, uh, finding out, you may like where they tag themselves and like find yourself there or something. Uh, we didn't have Facebook when we were dating, so we didn't have that. But today, life has changed so much. So maybe you're doing a little Facebook stalking, looking at some pictures. Um, or you might go to life group together. You might, you want to hang out more, more than just casually. And this is exactly what happens in the verses that we read. This is no longer just physical attraction, but it's a mixture of physical attraction and delight in the character of a person. So you're not just finding them physically attractive, you're finding their character um, attractive. So you move from the next thing, from attraction. The next thing would be reciprocation. That may sound funny, but uh, you have, it has to be a mutual relationship. There has to be um, the other person is reciprocating that affection. Song of Solomon 1, 8 through 10 says, If you do not know, O most beautiful among women, follow in the tracks of the flock and pasture your young goats beside the shepherd's tents. I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with strings of jewels. Okay, so this is just free. Um, let me just give you a little dating tip. I would not, in today's day and age, uh, compare your girl to a horse. I would not say, oh, my love, I compare you to a mare. Like, just, uh, that probably won't go very well for you. So I would uh, stay away from maybe Solomon's choice of words. But um, just uh, on the side note, the, what he was saying, though, um, Pharaoh's horses were white Arabian horses. And so they were beautiful. They, maj they were majestic. It wasn't just like the other horses that just, you, you know, if you ever have a group of horses, it might be hard to pick out which one it is. But if you see the white Arabian horse, it would stand out to you. And that's what it was, she was for him. She stood out to him. And she, um, she, he thought she was majestic. So he's not necessarily saying like, oh, you're a horse. He was not doing that. So I wouldn't advise you to do that. Um, but he doesn't, notice that he doesn't say, which, I mean, he wouldn't say that, but <laughs> I'm going to text you later. He wasn't vague with her. He didn't lead her on, and he didn't play games with her. He was very specific. This is where I'm going to be. I, I like you too. I'm going to tell you where I'm going to be. He's not playing games with her, and he's being very clear. He's being very clear with his intentions. And if you want to move from the friend zone to the dating zone, most people, um, mo both people have to want their relationship. And like I said, I know that may sound funny, 
But there's nothing worse than so, with trying to get into a relationship with someone who's not getting the hint. So just be, just be clear with your intentions. And if they're not reciprocating that love or affection, just move on. Because it's, it's going to make everything a little awkward. And the question to ask yourself, is the person I'm interested in interested in me? Have I made my intentions clear? Because I think especially in this day and age, like Facebook, it can, like, they can maybe like all your posts or they can... Um, maybe say things to you and it could lead someone on, but then say like for a woman, but the guy's not really interested in moving from a friendship to a a dating thing. And I think it could be, um, make things complicated. So just be clear and don't lead anyone on um, if you clearly have no intentions of taking this further than a friendship because the Bible says we should treat us as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so um, men, your default posture should, towards women should always be honor. So don't treat another sister in Christ um, with dishonor by leading her on because that can cause a lot of problems. You can move on and it's going to cause a lot of problems in her if you let her on. And number three would be community. Song of Solomon one says, we will make for you ornaments of gold studded with silver. Notice that they're not talking about themselves, that they're not going to make something for themselves. The word is we. There are other people involved in this relationship. They're not alone. In the attraction and reciprocation phase, most of it is based on that loving feeling. I won't sing. I'm going to spare you all. But it's based on that feeling. And so they're taking it a little further. And that is why it's so important to get outside perspective. Their friends were not uneasy about their relationship. They were excited for them. They said, we will make things for you. We will make ornaments studded with silver and gold. They're excited about their relationship together. They're not cringing. So just a question, what are the people around you that are closest to you? What are they saying about this relationship that you may be in or a future relationship that you would be in? Um, Because Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. So yes, it it is your, oh, it's my life. Yes, it's your life. But who are those people, the closest ones to you, the ones that pray with you, that you share your dreams and your hopes with? Um, They speak into your life. What do they think about your relationship? Are they rejoicing or are they cringing? And have um, have you invited their input? Maybe you haven't invited their input because you're scared about what they're going to honestly tell you. But in the long run, if they love you the most, wouldn't you want their advice and their opinion instead of getting into something they know you shouldn't. Everyone knows you shouldn't. And if they really love you, they'll be truthful with you. And they could save you from a lot of heartache, possibly. So just notice that they invited. There were other people involved in their relationship. It wasn't just them. So just as a word of advice, invite other people in to your life. And um, like Pastor Robert said, you know, we, had, we were talking with him and Miss Tracy. And we would hang out with uh, Jamie and Cheryl. So just as an example, just invite other people to your life, into your life. And it's just natural. You're going to want to spend every waking moment with this person. Just don't cut out those relationships from your life because when you get married, if you do with this person, you still need the other people that are around you and in your life. You can't, you don't want to be an, an, an island. So just don't neglect or abandon your friendships that you continue to pursue those, even though you want to spend every moment with this person. And number four in uh, Dating Done Right is encouragement. Song of Solomon 1, 15 through 16 says, Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves. Behold, you are beautiful, my beloved. Truly delightful. Wow, he really thinks she's beautiful, right? So he's, that would be very encouraging. The word beautiful was in there a whole lot of times. So he was very, very encouraging to her. And like I said, this 
could also relate to marriage. So don't just tune out if you, you're thinking about dating. Like, as a husband, as a wife, you should constantly still be encouraging each other. But he didn't give her just some smooth words and pick up lines. That, that would be just like having game or manip- that's like manipulation. He was actually, if you see, when Solomon talks about this girl, he is speaking of her soul because he said, Behold, you are beautiful, your eyes are doves. And if you know what the Bible says about the eyes, the eyes are the window to the soul. So he also was seeing her soul. He saw that her character, her soul was beautiful. He wasn't just saying, oh, you're just so beautiful. I'm just captivated by just your outward beauty. He got to know her more and he saw that her soul was beautiful and he would tell her that. So just don't neglect encouraging. And he's speaking of her character and her inward beauty, as I said. And he's not just pointing out her outer, but her inner beauty. And men, this is a big deal. This is a really, really big deal. Married or not, your words can lead her close to Christ or away from Christ. So you need to speak God's word over her. Encourage her. Because, see, well, I'll show you how important this is. Um, look at, I love this. Look at how she responds to his encouragement. She feels special. Song of Solomon 2.1 says, I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. Again, what in the heck is she talking about? But if, um, if you remember about her, and uh, last week what Joshua talked about, she worked in the field. She worked in the vineyard. She didn't really take care of her parents. She was dark from working outside so much. Her nails were probably messy. I don't know what her hair looked like. She didn't probably take care of herself as much as maybe some of the girls who didn't work outside. And so she was very insecure, as, as we read in, uh, as we talked about last week, she was very insecure about her appearance. But he adored her, and he cherished her. He valued her, and she felt special because she said, I'm a Rose of Sharon. I'm a Lily of the Valleys. The chapter before, she was hiding her face from him. And now because she felt um, he encouraged her, it changed her, the view. It completely changed her view about herself, and it changed her countenance. And so I love this because by his words, he changed um, the way she viewed herself. And that's like, you know, husbands should be, um, as an example, like Christ is to the church, love your wives like Christ loved the church. I love this as a parallel because the way that Christ loves us and his words change us and change the way we view ourselves the same way our husbands can model that to your wife. Husbands can model that to their wives. And you can learn, tell a lot about a guy by the countenance of his girl how he's speaking to her. And you can see it. And so um, number five, moving on, she felt special, but she also, there was security in the relationship. Song of Solomon 2.3 says, As an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. With great delight I sat in his shadow, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He has character, integrity, and honor, And it sets him apart from everybody else. She feels safe and secure in his presence. And what do you do when you feel safe and secure in in somebody's presence? You can be yourself. You don't have to hide. You don't have to fake anything. Um, The way that he talks to her and leads her makes her feel safe. Men, one of the greatest gifts you can give to your girl, to your wife, is to give her the gift of security, that she feels safe with you, that she can trust you with her the deep things of her heart and not just scared of how you react or respond, but that she can just fully give herself to you because she trusts you and she fully trusted him. Um, question to ask yourself, do I feel safe? Because again, if you're dating and you're trying to figure out, is this the right person? Do you feel safe with him or her? Can you trust him or her? If marriage is built on trust, if you cannot trust this person, like, er, get out, get out now because, um, 
it's just you have to trust them. If you don't trust them, you can't go any further in the relationship. And number six would be purity. Song of Solomon 2, 4 through 7. He brought me to his banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Sustain me with raisins. Refresh me with apples, for I'm sick with love. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or does in the field, that you not stir or awaken love until it pleases. Just as a side note, um, a lot of times uh, when I was growing up hearing this preached, I had always thought Song of Solomon, they were married the whole time, from the beginning to the end. But actually, we're in two right, chapter 2 right now, and they don't get married till chapter 3. So they are in the dating stage, and so... I was always confused by that because by some things they would say, I'm like, wait, they've always been married. But no, they actually, they're not married yet. But from what I just read, uh, it's getting hot. It's getting hot in the relationship. Um, uh, she's, he's touching her head and he's holding her and uh, it's getting, the relationship is escalating. But what happens is um, he puts a break on the, the relationship, on, not on the relationship, on those feelings where they would naturally continue to go because she says, um, talking to the daughters of Jerusalem, not to stir or awake in love until it pleases. What they were going towards, which is what I'm avoiding, what they were going towards, uh, no, no, it's, it's not wrong. I just, I don't, ha- I'm not comfortable talking about it in front of a large, in front of a large group of people. A mixed group of people, too. Uh, maybe women. But uh, where they were going, that's not wrong or sinful. But in the context of, being, of dating, it is. And so he, they put the brakes. They were feeling is leading that way. And they put the brakes on that. And, she, but, and that actually makes her feel safe and secure and special, even though she really wants him badly. Because she says, um, he brought me to his banqueting house and his banner over me was love. Sustain me with uh, raisins. She's, she's sick with love. She's eating. You know, she's like emotionally eating because she's so in love with him. And so um, that'll, that, that relationship will do that to you. But he puts the brakes on the relationship on where it's going and there and protects her purity. Because sexual passion is actually like a fire. Think about a fire in your own house. It's good when it's in the right place. So a fire in your fireplace with, we have a door. It's it's closed. It's contained. It's good. It brings warmth to the home, and you can control it. But a fire in your living room is going to completely burn up your whole house, and that's just with sexual passion. And in the wrong place at the wrong time is going to leave everything destroyed. And so he respected her, and he put the the break on that. So they're saying, wait, don't stir awake in this until it's time. And so. Um, Good feelings, but wrong place. And that's why you need a godly man who submits his passion to God first before um, his own desires or you. And so like an example, like uh, if you're trying to find somewhere to hang out, going to their house at midnight to watch a movie alone is probably not the best decision that you can make. So that would be wise to avoid things like that. Um, When it comes to sexuality in your dating relationship, you've got one or two options. You can honor God together or you can sin together. And so, um, moving along, <laughs> dating, because we just talked about dating. Dating is all about attract- attraction and hanging out. But now, so where do you go from there? You've been attracted to this person. You hang out more than casually. You're starting to get to know them a lot more, and you still both, there's reciprocation. Both are very um, interested. Those feelings are starting to come. So where do you go from there? 
you take it to the next level, and that would be courtship. And I know that sounds like such an old word because it really is, but courtship is a special season for a man and a woman where they are weighing out the possibility of marriage. And Tommy Nelson defines courtship as this, the time when you begin to date one person exclusively, frequently, and with the purpose of determining if this is the person with whom you truly want to spend the rest of your life. So just again, like, please don't lead someone on. You know, if you've gotten to this point and um, you're really not interested, just, like, get out. Like, do them a favor before you lead someone on and get out of the relationship. But if y'all both have gotten to this point and you both feel the same, it would be that you move on to the courtship stage, courting stage. And number one would be to pursue intentionally. In Song of Solomon 2, 8 through 10, The voice of my beloved, behold, he comes, leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, looking through the lattice. My beloved speaks and says to me, arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. So um, what's going on here, he's probably not literally leaping over mountains and bounding over hills, but he's trying to get to her. He really likes her. He wants to be with her. He's trying to get to her. And... um, it also kind of sound a little funny, like he's looking through the lattice. Uh, no, don't be creepy. Like, don't, like, stalk somebody. So, again, but he just, he really loves her, and he wants to be with her. And you start doing crazy things when you're uh, dating and when you're courting, as in, like, uh, I lived in Lafayette. Josh lived here, and that's when he was doing Friday Night Lives. And so I'd get off of work at 5 p.m. in Lafayette, and that's so conveniently when they were doing, uh, redoing the interstate, and it would take like two hours to get. You were like barely moving. So I would get off of work, jump in the car, sit on the interstate, barely moving for two hours, barely get here to help for Friday Night Live and stay up cleaning till one or two and then do it again every other weekend and drive back and drive back, back and forth because you start doing crazy things when you're in love and that didn't seem odd or exhausting at all. Um, And so what Solomon does here is he's a DTR, if you've ever heard of that. He's defining the relationship. He's telling his girl, I want you, and I want only you. And so um, if you have gotten to that point, you can start making it exclusive in the um, courting stage. And so, again, in Song of Solomon 2.13-14, through he says, Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. O my dove, in the clefts of the rock and the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. So think about this. Why is it that when you're dating, you feel so, so, so close to someone? Um, I think it's because you're talking all the time. You're constantly on the phone. Y'all are hanging out. You're on dates. You're spending so much time together. It's talk, 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 talk. There's so much talking going on. And, um, okay, so I have to give this example. Uh, <laughs> I lived in, uh, in Broussard, and Josh was in Jennings at the time still, and uh, had, we had finished our um, internship at the church. We had both graduated, but I was still working at the church, and I was living in the dorms, and I was living in the dorms with the new set of girls that were in the internship with the church. And so um, I'd go, to, you know, kind of funny. I could stay up real late if we were, you know, seeing each other and driving back and forth, but yet, like, on a work night, I had to, you know, I was in bed super early because I had to wake up at, like, 5, and so my mom would call and uh, it was an open dorm, so everybody knew what was going on. Hello, yes, mom, okay, all right, I'm tired, I'm going to bed. 
And then another phone call would come, and I would, ha- like, I think I was at the top bunk, ha- leap out of bed and run to the bathroom. Uh, it was the only place of privacy in the place. And talk till midnight, because obviously it wasn't my mom calling anymore. It was Josh. And my roommates would joke, like, oh, we know when your mom's calling and when Josh is calling of how you were, you know, it was like, hi, mom. And then I, I'd jump out of the bed when it was Josh. And so, um, and he had reminded me of this. I didn't even remember. We talked till midnight. And so, uh, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. You know, that sounds so, like, silly now. And I had even forgotten that. But we did. And it was probably another five minutes of doing that before we even hung up the phone. But we were doing so much talking. It was exciting. It was fun to get to know them. And so, again, this applied to marriage, not just in dating. Um, let me ask you why married couples lose that loving feeling. It's because there's no more intentionality. You're not being intentional. You're not talking. You're not continuing to get to know that person. Because it's not like you get to know someone and then no one grows. You have to continue to know someone. There's always growing in a person and something new going on. And you spend hours talking and dating each other to build the relationship, and you get married, and what? You stop talking. Why? Like, why? Why does that happen? Why does it naturally move towards that? But you get intentional about everything else in your life. You get intentional about work. Uh, you get intentional about marriage and your hobbies, except, and things like that, because um, no one would ever skip out in their work and say, I feel like talking to you today. If you're at work, you got to talk. So when you're married, you have to talk. You have to keep that going. And men... Um, what it took to get the girl is what it takes to keep the girl. If you want a so-so marriage, don't talk to her anymore. You know, don't, don't pursue her. But if you um, want to continue to have intentionality and to get closer, you have to keep talking. And obviously, uh, I wouldn't know because I'm not a male, but I've heard that's not their favorite thing to do, right? Especially if, like, they say you have a certain amount of words and at work you've given them all and at home you don't want to anymore. And I'm not saying every night you have to come home and have some deep conversations because I'm even exhausted and I don't want to do that at the end of the night. But um, just on a regular basis, um, are you still getting to know her? Because there's a big difference between getting close by and close to. And I can give you this example about Facebook. Okay, like say I follow somebody on Facebook and I don't personally know them, but they post a lot of stuff and they say what's going on. I feel like I can know them, but do I really know them? No. And I think just like um, being close by and close to someone, you can feel like you know them, but you really might not or you really don't. And we often think that just because we're close by is that we're close to. You share the same house. You share the same food. You actually even share the same bed. And you can actually can be close by, but not close to, because there's not intimacy and there's not intentional um, getting to know and continuing to get to know. And Solomon wanted not just to be close by. He wanted to be close to his love. And then moving right along, if you're um, pursuing intentionality, being intentional in the relationship, you're pursuing intimacy. And here's the problem what the biggest um, misconception about intimacy can be. Most people think that intimacy is romance, and it's actually not. Intimacy is not romance. Intimacy is transparency. Intimacy is no secrets. Intimacy, um, excuse me, romance is a byproduct of intimacy. So when you have romance, and like he, I mean, we were talking about some heavier stuff going on with Solomon and his girl. There was romance. There was intimacy. So pursue intimacy. 
pursue transparency, pursue getting to know them, uh, no secrets. Because dating is actually like selling a used car, right? We try to hide anything that will make uh, the sale that will make the sale less like and less likely advertise um, or only what will close the deal. So you get married and you find out the AC don't work, the uh, engine's cracked, you know, there's a, a there was a nail in the tire. Because what? On your dating, on your best behavior, and there's no issues and there's no problems because you're trying to win them over. Let's just be real. Everybody has problems. Everybody's got issues. So, like, this is the part in the relationship you have to start getting these things out. You have to start talking about them. Um, the last thing you want is, bam, somebody who you thought, you know, was here, and you get married, and they're a completely another person. You want to be open and honest with people. Um, because what, actually, while you're dating, everyone's on their best behavior. And when you get married, everything comes to light. And uh, the issues and the sins are actually they're magnified in marriage. Because in courtship, you don't have their dirty clothes laying on the floor, you know, where they just happen to drop them on the way out. And there's no bills and there's no uh, deadlines. There's no things that, that were in the um, courtship phase that now you have in marriage. People, you can hide things for a little while, but you get married and your sins will come out. So get those out. When, if you're in, I'm not saying, let me be clear. You just meet somebody. Hi, my name is Lindsay. Oh, um, I'm, uh, hold on. I can't even think of anything. Like, um, I can't, I don't, want, I don't know. Like, naming some, like, all, uh, thing that is only reserved to talk about when you're courting. Like, some deep sin, some deep personal thing. Like, that's not the thing you say when somebody said, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi, I'm Lindsay, and um, I have a struggle of whatever. You know, like, obviously, at the beginning stages, that's not when you talk about these things. But as if you're already in the courtship phase, you're considering this person for the rest of your life, you have to start getting some things out. If you want to love Jesus, stay single. And if you want to be like Jesus, get married. Because what does it do? It's sanctification. Marriage is spelled sanctification, have kids, it's spelled it with capital letters. And so, um, and it's great, but issues will come out. It's not like no one has them. We all have our sins that we struggle with and we all have our issues. So start talking about them. Uh, in marriage counseling, <laughs> um, we, ha- we took it in Lafayette with a counselor uh, before we got married. And um, one of the last few times he said, um, so have y'all talked about, like, you know, when y'all had an argument, how does that go? We don't argue. No, like, when y'all argue, well, when you get married, we're not going to argue. Like, you could, I mean, I was not being naive. Like, you could, well, yeah, I really was. You could not have told me that we were going to argue. We had nothing, nothing to argue about. We agreed on everything. We didn't, you know, fight about anything. At that moment, and I'm sure I would love to know what was running through that man's mind. Like, you dummy. You know, like, we don't fight. We had nothing to fight about. And what, you get married, and the sins and the um, issues, they come out. And there's the fighting and the arguing. And so what do you do when that happens? It's because it's going to happen. And so um, if you have secrets in your relationship, you're never going to, going, you will never have the intimacy that God desires. And in Song of Solomon 2.15, he says, Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. In courtship, all of a sudden, these little foxes start coming out, as we were talking about. And instead of ignoring them and trying to pretend that they're not there, um, 
you need to work through them and to sort them out. They will ruin the vineyard of your relationship if you don't work together and try to catch them before they do some serious damage. Um, Because like I said, everybody has issues. So this is the time to start talking through things. And so um, I'm very specific. So I can say like, oh, y'all need to talk about some deep things. And um, I'm going to give you some specifics of some things you can talk about. So when you've moved from the courtship stage and there's, there's no longer an avoidance of the difficult stuff because you've seen how they react. You've seen how they react now when a difficult thing happens, when they don't get what they want, they don't get their way. You're starting to see that. And there's not an avoidance of the difficult stuff. A couple needs to begin to be having these conversations in the categories such as these. So I'm going to read them. But I would really, really encourage you to read the book called Mingling of Souls. He talks about this in, in way more detail. So if you're in the courtship stage, these are some conversations you can have. Uh, and not all at one time, because that'd be a little heavy. But um, the past, what was your upbringing like? What have events have shaped her? The present, what are your ongoing struggles? How, um, do, how do they handle daily stresses? Who holds them accountable? Their hopes. What do they want for themselves and for their future spouse and family? What is their sense of God's mission in the world and their place in it? Their dreams, what fulfills them? What is the vision of your relationship? And wounds, what baggage are they carrying? What sins committed against them are still difficult to recover from? So um, they might not be the easy questions, but like I said, catch the foxes. And actually, if you read, um, like back in Song of Solomon 2.15, catch the little foxes for us, they actually invite other people in. They're having, uh, they're getting to know each other, like maybe a homegirl's like freaking out when something happens, and he's like, whoa, that's some crazy that I wasn't expecting. Maybe some of that's going on. They actually invite other people in because they don't say, catch the little foxes for me, for one another. They say us. They've invited other people in, and they say, look, we're dealing with this issue. Can you help us work it out? So invite other people in. When you see a little bit of crazy in a person going on, um, somebody can help work, you, work with you through that. So it would be best to talk about these things instead of getting married and be like, whoa, I never had any idea, you know, because again, you can't have intimacy that Christ desires unless um, you're being honest and open in the relationship. And so if someone is willing at this stage, before the lifelong covenantal commitment has been made to cover guilt and shame and hurt or other difficulty with grace, it's an, a reasonably hopeful sign that he or she will continue to do, do so after the commitment. So after each other's crazy come, has come out and they still are willing to be with you and commit to you, that's a great sign because it's showing that they really do love and really do care for you and are willing to, to work, out cause, um, work it out with you. Because how encouraging is that, that you can see each other who, as much as you really are and they still want to be with you because um, that's what actually you know, everybody longs for. And so, in kind of closing here, um, it's not, because I mean, maybe this sounds a little like prudish, prudish, not prunish, <laughs> prudish to you, and um, it's not, just, just know and know, like it's not God's desire to keep you from any pleasure, but rather to lead you in the fullest pleasure possible, because didn't he design this world and design us and create us to be a certain way? And so if he made us in, in his design, doesn't he know the best way of doing things? And so shouldn't we trust him in his way of doing things? And they obviously are way different from culture and the way society tells us to do. But if we do this, we'll protect others. We'll protect ourselves. Not saying you won't ever get hurt, because what if you get too far into something and it didn't go wrong? It goes wrong. 
Um, but just trust God and, and do things his way because it's ultimately for um, our greatest pleasure possible. And so um, what if you've blown it? What if you're like, hey, everything you just said, like I did the opposite and it's like all, you know, my life is now the opposite of still everything you're saying. The gospel makes all things new and that's the great news. Um, you can turn to Christ and you can start over. Whatever season that you're in, there's a new beginning. There's a new start. You don't have to feel like a failure. He wants you to come as you are. He wants you where you're, you are. He just wants you to be open and honest. So um, maybe today, um, if you're in a stage you need to get out of, if you need to pursue a stage more, or if you're married, you might need to um, have some uh, intentional conversations with your wife. Because the things I was saying about courtship, the past, present, hopes, dreams, wounds. If you haven't done that already, or even still, like those are some things to talk about with not only um, if you're in courtship, but with your husband. Um, how's your, like another thing you could ask as a husband and wife, like how's your soul? How are you doing? You know, like that might just seem like so um, easy, but a lot of times that doesn't even go on um, with your husband and wife. Um, ask how they're doing and sit down and listen and not just you know, be ready to walk away, but get, continue to get to know each other. And so um, I just want to pray, um, pray this morning for everybody, because I know everyone's in a different stage of life. And so, Father, we just come to you, and we just thank you, God, that you haven't been um, vague about what we're supposed to do, God, but in your word, um, you give us specific things, and you lead us and guide us in the good, in good ways and good things. And so I thank you, God, that you've given us a, a plan, you've given us guidance, and you haven't left us to ourselves. And I just pray for each one here, God, whether they're young and, and are single or just in different stages of singleness, I pray that you would just be... Um, so near to them and that you would lead them and guide them and give them wisdom about how to navigate through this because culture says everything against what your word says and that they would fight for good and they would fight for you and your way. And I just pray for every married um, couple here, God, that they would fight to be int intentional. They would fight to be intim intimate. They wouldn't just live together, God, that they would get to know intimately one another and that you would just, they would invite you into their relationship and start fresh, start anew, even if it hasn't been for 30 years. And I just thank you, God, that you're, you're doing a work in this church in each couple's relationships and, um, and, and singles, everyone. God, you're doing a great work. And I just thank you, God, that we could just partner with you and, um, and that you would have your way in this. In Jesus' name, amen.